For the last few weeks, I hope that as we close out the Church That Heals series, you've experienced healing as I have in a pretty significant way. And I hope that you see your family experience that healing and your community group experience that healing and, and see it flow out into every aspect of your life. And, and as we've gone through that series, but even before, something's been churning in my heart as I've seen the state of our nation be crippled by the spirit of division. And I knew we were gonna address it and I know the election's coming up. If you don't know, there's an election coming up here in a few weeks. How do we, how do, how do we, how do we address this as, as, as the church? How, how do we wrestle, how do we navigate through all of this? And, and at first I thought, well, it's just a national thing. It's just something that's happening in Washington, D.C. and in our TV screens, but it's just out there. Then I saw how that same spirit penetrated this place, our church. In conversations, I'm not calling any one person out or thing out. Don't, don't read into that. Point is, is that it's affecting us as believers. And we've tried to wrestle with the tension. What are we to do? Or this side or that side, this way, that way. But it got real, y'all, when I saw it impact my own family. When I saw that the spirit of division that comes from the evil one has, has penetrated not only our nation, but our body, our church, and into our family. And these are three institutions that if we read from Genesis all the way to Revelation, three institutions that God is very clear about is our nation, our government, our, government, our authority figure, and then the body does a great job addressing us as a church, especially the epistles in the New Testament. Most importantly, it addresses the family. And we can't have division in our family, especially when it is such a blunt attack from the enemy. So as I've wrestled with how, how do we do this? Well, I've seen the enemy as I've talked to those in my community group and, and some of y'all in here, I've seen the enemy just literally put, their, put his deck of, deck of cards right there for everybody to see. And he said, you know what? We're gonna counter that with the truth of God. My job as a pastor is not to tell you how to vote or, or necessarily even how to live your life. It's not. My job as a pastor is to preach the word of God and allow that to inform how you vote and how you live your life. And so allow the Holy Spirit to speak. As we go through this three-part series, it's been on my heart, so you're stuck with me for three weeks, but the point is that, that I really hope that we hear God's spirit as we navigate the tension and as we see this crazy evil division from top all the way to bottom. So how are we gonna do it? Well, first, we're gonna talk about the kingdom of God. It's, it's spoken so many times throughout the scriptures. We're gonna talk about Genesis a little bit, and then uh, uh, in, in two weeks, we're gonna finish with Revelation. And we're gonna talk about how the kingdom of God instructs these three primary institutions that the Bible talks about, the family, the church, and the government. This week, we're gonna focus on the family, but, but let's talk about what the kingdom of God is, because if you come from different church backgrounds, uh, you've probably heard a lot of different things of kingdom of God this, kingdom of heaven this. Point is, Jesus, is one of his primary themes in his ministry, three years of ministry here on earth, is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Those are synonymous, and so I want to look at that and how that informs our posture 
and how we should prioritize these three, family, church, and country. So we're gonna look at posture. What is our posture as kingdom people? And then how do we prioritize these family, church, and nation? And so let's look at the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God can be defined as God's reign through God's people over God's place. So, so we're talking about God's reign through God's people over God's place. Again, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God from the beginning of his ministry in Mark chapter one, verses 14 and 15. says that after John, this is John the Baptist, was put in prison, this is after Jesus' baptism, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He says the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So God's reign is that Jesus has brought about the kingdom of God here on earth. But, but the deal is, in order to see things in a good theological basis, is we see the kingdom of God is it's here already, but it's also yet to come. So it is here because Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God, but it is yet to come. We're gonna talk about that when we talk about place. God's reign. Doesn't matter what, ha what is happening in the world, in your personal lives, in your family life, here in the church. One fact remains. He is king and he is in control. And no matter where you are in life, hold on to that truth. Especially when we're going through hard times. God is king. He is in control. He is on the throne. And so you may wonder, well, what's going on down here? Then why do we experience suffer, suffering? Why do we experience death? If God is in control, what's going on down here? Well, you see, we are experiencing something. And that is that God reigns through God's people. And we're seeing God reign through the Holy Spirit that lives in us right now. And he is working a thing in and through us to ultimately make all things new. The kingdom of heaven will come here on earth when Jesus returns. That's, that's a holistic, theological, biblical worldview. When we see that, that Jesus brought about the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God won't truly be here until he comes back. And so in the meantime, we're operating in the kingdom of darkness. See, when Jesus was tempted, Jesus was tempted by the evil one, by the devil. And he said, hey, if you bow to me, I'll give you all of this. I'll give you authority to reign. Everybody will love you. He was giving, he's the authority in this place. And he was saying, Jesus, I'll give this all to you. And he said, no, I'm, I'm gonna defeat you first. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna destroy death by the blood on the cross and then you'll see me reign forever and ever when I come in. That's the plan of God, but it's saying that he wants to do this through us. So let's talk about this for a little bit. Let's look at Genesis and how we are called to rule, how God rules through us. We're gonna start Genesis 1, verses 26, and we're gonna read all the way through 29. God is creating the world. He's created everything. And, and then in, in day six, verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Do you hear anything? Well, maybe not anything, but hear this right here. You rule 
You were created to rule. God says it right here in the beginning. He's not saying, hey, you got to do all these things. You got to join a church. You got to say yes. No, he's saying, I created you. Human. If you're a human, then you are created to rule. But we're created to rule as image bearers of the ultimate ruler. We're not called to just rule in the way that we want to. We need to rule according to how the ruler is asking us to rule. So continuing verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. And if you have more than three kids, you say, amen. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That was a joke, by the way. If you have a kid, amen. And even if you don't, we're all called, we're all called to, 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 to rule. And here's the thing. We're called to, to bring order out of chaos. That's really what he's saying is I'm putting you, man and woman, in, on this earth, but there's chaos here. You guys are all here with all these animals. And, and I mean, think about it. There, there's just issues and, and plants are just growing and someone need, needs to mow the lawn. Did y'all see the garden when you drove in here? That's actually a garden out there if, if you see it. And that's what happens when we don't rule over the earth. It grows out of control and it takes a lot of what to, to subdue it? A lot of work. We're called to rule and work. And we're called not to do this on our own terms, but again, to honor the ruler. We're called to bring order out of chaos. Verse 29, then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that is fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that is breath of life in it, I give every green plant for you. And it was so. He's given us authority to rule. Let's hold on to that. And we're going to go back to that as we talk about family, because what are we to rule, I think is key to looking at kingdom culture and how that infiltrates these times that we're living in. Because we can't rule everything, only he's the ruler, but he gives us the authority to rule. So God's reign through God's people over God's place. Okay, so we're called to rule, but in what place? There's one place that he needs to start ruling, and it's not top to bottom. And if our hope as believers, if we are kingdom people and we're hoping that the kingdom is brought about from government down, then we're doing the exact same thing that the disciples did when Jesus resurrected. He died on the cross and then he re resurrected and then they were talking to him, the risen Christ. And they're like, thank God you came back. Now you can bring about the kingdom of God. Whew. We were worried there. Three days, Jesus. Three days, you were in, in the grave. And Jesus is like, y'all still don't get it. See, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ascend into heaven. My body is gonna go up so that I can come down through the Holy Spirit and inhabit our hearts. And if we don't allow him to rule our hearts, then there's no way that he's gonna be able to rule our family there's no way that he's going to be ruling over our church. And then there's absolutely no way that he's going to be honored and, and known in our country. It's an inside out revolution, not a top down. 
So my question, a question that I have for you today is, is he the ruler of your heart? Is he the king of your heart? Is he a good king? We're gonna talk a lot about this priority. My hope, if you're wrestling with Jesus, if you're really knocking on the door and seeing, is it worth it? My, my, my hope is in the same vein as, as we went through encounter this weekend and saw what happens when we give all of us, all of our stuff, our hurts, as we give all of, all of the brokenness that we've participated in, that we see that he is a good king. And when we give our lives over to him, he changes our reality because it starts with the mind and with the heart and he creates us into a new creation and the new creation starts here before it goes out there. So we need to know that the place starts in here. And again, the place ends with Jesus coming back and he will, he will bring about a new heaven and a new earth here physically. That's the good news that we can hold on to if we believe in this biblical worldview, that one day we will be in a full-on kingdom under the, the, the ruler, in death will be no more, in tears will be no more, in sorrow will be no more, in sin and temptation and all the stuff that hurts in here will be no more. And I look forward to that day, but we have some work to do until then. So let's keep on reading. That is the kingdom of God. God's reign through God's people over God's place. So how do we infiltrate this culture with, with the kingdom culture? Well, it's a matter of posture and priority. Let me talk about posture for a little bit and then priorities. I've looked through the verses when it talks about our church and, and when it talks about government and when it talks about marriage and, and family. One thing, one theme remains consistent through it all, and it is a posture of submission. And it's interesting to me that we are called to submit ourselves in order to infiltrate the culture, when we read about verses, and we'll read, read them more in two weeks about government, says submit yourself to the ruling authorities. When we talk about our church, to submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ and, and church leadership and all that good stuff. And then when it talks about family, and that's what we're gonna focus on today, we're gonna talk about where submission comes in in, in the way the order uh, that God has given us here in the word again. God brings us order because he's not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And if you're already disturbed by that word submission, let me talk about it a little bit more. It's not passive. Submission does not mean surrendering your will in the sense of your, your, your being. Submission is actually submitting according to the will of God to honor and recognize earthly rulers because we know the ultimate ruler. And God places our authorities in place. We participate in that. We have a place to, to, to play in. In, in, in almost, well, in some ways. But did you choose what country you were born in? Did you choose what family you were born into or adopted into? Did you choose, well, you did choose a church, hopefully. But, you know, we, we have some choices. But, but, the, but the point is that, that ultimately God places leaders over us. And when we trust God, then we trust that he put those people in those places and we can submit to them because we ultimately trust God. So let's talk about family. We have 
Christmas is almost here. I can't wait. Let's skip Halloween and go to Christmas, please. But let's not skip Thanksgiving. Amen? Amen. All right, good. These are three ornaments. And this one represents family. This one represents the church. And this one represents the country. Talk about posture of submission. What about priorities? What, what priority? What do we need to give priority? Well, the first one is, is family. We get to juggle family. I learned how to juggle in second grade. I'm excited to show y'all. I've been practicing. <laughs> it is fragile, isn't it? You know, when family's the only thing that we're focused in, and I hope that on weekends you do family, it's fun. Maybe hard for some, but it's fun to just focus on family. We're going to talk a little bit about this, but here's what happens when we don't have our priorities in order. We have the church, and when you have the church, it's a little harder to focus on family, right? Hey, there you go, something like that. You can juggle too, but we're dealing a lot with country right now and everything, how to talk, how to, how, to, how to say the right thing, how to not offend or how to offend in the right way so that we can get people thinking, you know what I mean? All this stuff. And by the way, this is free, but we have an issue in our country that we can't disagree and still love one another. And that's not good. We can love one another and disagree, right? Good, okay, moving on. So when we juggle all three, it gets hard. And sometimes, you know, especially when we're juggling a country, but you know, the cool thing is when we mess up and, and drop one, let's drop country. Because when we drop country, other people can, can pick up the slack. I mean, I know we matter and we should really be engaged in, in our jobs because, by the way, our, our jobs are here because we have a, a government in place that allows us to do our jobs. So it's vocation and, and government are kind of one in, in, in Bible for the most part. Okay, but when it comes to the church, you're like, don't drop that ball. But you know what? When you drop the church, other people can serve. Other people can pastor your community group. Thank you, Andy. Good, good throw. Here's what happens when we don't put our family as our number one priority. We get so mixed up with the things of the country. We watch Fox News or CNN or Sky News, if you're one of those. And, and then ultimately, we, 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 get, we get distracted from our family and we get distracted from our church. And then we start going to church. And we're like, I'm supposed to be a good person and all this pressure to do the right thing. And, and then you get to your family and you're like, but my family's in chaos. And ultimately what happens is you eat. Good night. That happened first service too. We, there you go. We, that happens. If that happens here or here, fine. But as rulers, we only have one responsibility. If you're a father, your kids only have one dad. You can have a lot of pastors. We'll have plenty of people to represent them and take care of them on the, uh, the government side. You only have one dad. If you're a mom, that's it. You get to be mom. And when we don't prioritize our family, we see your kids go through that. And I want to be sensitive because I know a lot of us come from really broken homes. And what I want to tell you today as we talk about God's order in the family is that God did not intend that to happen. That's why he gave us order. He's, he gives us order to prevent brokenness from occurring. But we live in a broken world and we are broken people. 
And so there's grace. And he brings us through his redemption to a place of forgiveness and where we can move on from that happening. But if that is you, know that that is not what God intended. And that's why we need to prioritize our family. And if you're single and you want to be married, you don't have a family, college students, I want you guys to look around. There's plenty of people that want to welcome you into their home and feed you a nice hot meal. Raise your hands, please. There you go. Look at that. It's a really good response. We need to prioritize family. Let's talk about that for a little bit. The Bible is clear. Second Peter 2 talks about family. And then in Ephesians 5, which is kind of cool because Church That Heals, our, our main uh, uh, passage was at the end of Ephesians 4. And so we're picking up in, in Ephesians 5. And it's talking about the relationships with our family. Again, this is God's order. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. And now that as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So wives, it's saying two things. One, your uh, posture is one of submission, but not because you, you have to do that. It's as, as a, it's as a reflection of us submitting to the Lord. It's understanding that God created marriage to be a reflection of our relationship with him. We've messed that up. And our culture is not acknowledging that. But we must, if we say we believe in Jesus, we need to hold on to what God is saying is good. And then the second thing is this, this term submit, I know has been used and misused to abuse. And that is not God's heart. That is not God's heart. But let's keep on reading because it says, husbands in verse 25, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So let me ask you wives, would you submit to a sacrificial husband? Wow, not a single one. Okay, well then, maybe hypothetically, if husbands, if, if we are sacrificial, if we put the interest of our wives, if we prioritize them in our life, if we are present rather than absent, if we engage and communicate and listen, instead of just talk and fix, then we'll just see God's order come into reality in, in, our, in our relationship, in our marriages. Verse 26 says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her blameless, as a, or present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And so if you're great at working out and you're great dudes at, at, at making sure that you look fit and single, guys, hey, this starts now. We honor our wives by the way we live right now. It's not only when you say I do, then you need to start thinking about your wife. You can start thinking about your wife right now and taking care of how you live and how you see and, and how you pursue purity in Jesus. We talked a lot about that weekend, but we... It, it starts, it, it starts from way back, not when you just say, I do. And then he says, if you love your wife in the way that you love yourself. Awesome. I lost my place. <laughs> After all, no one ever hated their body. Verse 29, thank you. 
but they fed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Right here, Paul is, is quoting the, 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 the first marriage which is Adam and Eve. This was God's plan from the beginning. This was not just some New Testament thing. This was God's plan from the beginning, a man and a woman leaving their father's household and becoming one. The marriage that, we, uh, that I was able to officiate, beautiful. Beautiful last week. It wasn't perfect. Two broken people coming together. There was a lot of tears shed because they saw the grace of God as two became one. We need the grace of God in our marriages. We cannot do it if, if we uh, try so hard to be this example of husband or wife. It is a reflection of what he has done for us. And so we respond to the gospel by the way that we love our wives. However, verse 33, each one of you must also love his wife as he's loved himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So this is God's order for marriage. And let's talk about kids. Junior high students, I see you here. Kids, I see some of y'all. Here we go. This is for us. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandments with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Kids, and this includes kids, <laughs> all of us that have mother and father, it's a promise. Do we want to enjoy a long life on the earth? Let's honor that authority that God's given us in a mom. And a dad, and then dads and moms, verse four, do not exasperate your children. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I get exasperated by my children. I get tired, I get annoyed, and it's not them, it's me. It's my selfish mindset. It's me not making them a priority. That's why I get exasperated with my kids. And then the second part of the verse is saying, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Junior high students are here because we believe and, and kids are, are here in worship unless you're five and under, four, three, three and under because three and under is just a lot of work to wrangle them. You know, but we want the kids in worship because at Cypress Creek Church, we believe that we worship God as a family unit. We don't compartmentalize. You're a kid, so go over there. They're gonna teach you how to follow Jesus. And if you're a college student, you stay over there. Don't, don't come in over here because you're, you're a college, you know, singles ministry over here. We are one body made up of a lot of different looking families. And we worship God together. And we really need to embrace the fact that as moms and dads, we are the primary disciplers of our kids. We need to teach our kids about the gospel, about Jesus. We need to do it both in word and deed. And if that makes you feel weird, then that is what we're here for as pastors. We're here to help you. We're here to resource you. We're here to shadow you. We're here to support you. We're here to come alongside you. We're here to be your best cheerleaders and say, you're doing great, mom and dad. Or I'm sorry that this happened. How can I come alongside and serve you? 
Pastor Scarlett does an incredible job with the kids. Tyler's killing it with the students, not killing students, killing it with the students. <laughs> and and that's, that's how we roll. Family. We are the primary disciples, and we must make family a priority. So what's the kingdom family culture? I got four things. Four things that I believe if, if, if these inhabit our homes, especially if you have kids, then these are four things that will bring about a kingdom culture into your family. And the first one is comfort. This world, in this world, we will have trouble. <laughs> but take heart for I have overcome the world. It's John chapter 14. And, 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 and in this world, we will have trouble. Your kids have trouble too. And the home's gotta be the place where we can just comfort them and say, hey, it's, it's okay that everything's not okay. I'm sorry that that happened. Just sit and listen. And if you have little ones, just let them cry. And then give them a hug and say, stop crying. <laughs> and the second is acceptance. This one's huge because so much, especially if you have teens or, or younger ones that, that, that are seeing the incredible influence that social media has on, on, our, on our students, all they're doing is longing for acceptance. Who will accept me? Who will realize who I am? And if they get that, at home, if we got that at home growing up, they're not gonna be looking for it elsewhere. They're not gonna be looking for that acceptance, or maybe they will, but they will know, they will know ultimately that they have a safe place where they are accepted and where they are known. And the third is affection. I mean, my name's Jose, Jose. I grew up holding my dad's hand till I was like in high school in the mall, you know? <laughs> Kissing him, still kiss him to this day. I met a, a, a guy, I talked to a guy after first service. He said it was the same in India, so I feel a little bit more secure uh, about saying that. But our culture looks different. You grew up differently because of how your mom and dad were raised and all that stuff, but affection is an important sign of love and care and compassion, hugging and, and kissing, holding hands. Those are important things that we need to uh, have in our families. And then the last one is approval. We may not approve all of our kids' decisions, but we can approve who they are. And we can say that they are a child of God first, and then that we've been entrusted. We've been entrusted with something so close to God's heart, which is a child. So I want to close. Ben, you can come back up by saying, let's have this kingdom culture. Romans, um, I don't know where it's in Romans. It's the, the matter of eating and drinking. Uh, Paul is talking about, I think it's 14, all of these different things that we can do in choices and in ways that we can worship. Can we put that verse up there because I don't have it memorized, please? Romans, is that the beginning? I think it's slide five. There we go. Romans 14, seven, for the kingdom of God. It's not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of choices. It's not a matter of preference, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Do we see a lot of righteousness, peace, and joy in our culture? My question to you is, do you want to see righteousness, peace, and joy in your life, in your family life, in this church, and in our nation? We do. So we gotta do it inside out. We gotta get our priorities straight. Got to start with family. So I don't know what your family background looks like again. And, and, and if something that I said just made you, ugh, for many reasons, maybe it, 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 it woke up some hurt. I want to take this time to address that and allow the spirit to, to comfort 
Because I can tell you, if we, when we experience hurt, it's not God's will. But he does want to be the one that heals that hurt and that wound. So whether it was a failed marriage in, in your life or a relationship that was abusive, or, or if you were a kid that was neglected or abandoned, abused, you have a God who sees you. You have a God who wants to start that healing process. And this is as safe as it gets here on this earth. Body of Christ, broken people. But when we give those to God, we can see him do something pretty amazing and put the pieces back together and make us into a new creation. If you feel comfortable, please stand as we close out. I wanna pray over us. Father, you are our Father. You're in heaven. Your name is holy. May your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we give you this day and our daily bread. And we ask that you would forgive us as we forgive those who have wronged us. And that includes, Father, the, the, the abuse and the hurt and the stuff that we've dealt We've seen the chaos that happens when we don't put your order into place, broken pieces that are on the ground. Father, I want to speak to those broken pieces in this room and ask Holy Spirit that your healing power would be upon them, comfort and peace. And you are the King of Kings on the throne. You are in control no matter what happens down here. We trust that one day you will come again and make all things new. We thank you for that reality. And Father, I pray for anyone that is just right on the edge of saying yes to you. I ask that you would give them the courage right now to go all in. And that we would celebrate new life together as we awaken and realize that, that we can't do it here on earth in our own way. We can't rule by our own standards. It leads us to destruction and chaos and division and separation, what we're seeing out there in the world. That's the result of the enemy's schemes and when we are convinced of those things. But God, when we come under you in your rule, in your authority, we see life and life abundantly. So I pray for new life in this place. And if that's you, all you need to say is, yes, Jesus, I realize that you are my only hope, that the blood that you shed on the cross covered my sins, and that in you I may have life. I allow you to be the king of my heart. Thank you, Jesus. We leave here worshiping and hopeful because of what you've done for us. I pray this in the name of Jesus.